oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it Turn 2 Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast Brought to you by rotofanatic.com I'm your host Matt Williams Joining me on the show today, Paul Mamino. You know him. He's a, he's a recurring guest, pretty much my co-host at this point. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking a little bit of foreign substances, like, you know, if people haven't heard enough about that, but we'll be brief. And we're also going to talk about uh, the new baseball and how it is affecting fantasy baseball. Not necessarily, you know, so there's plenty of articles out there talking about the drag and everything. We're actually going to get into how you can use this information for your player analysis. So, Paul, welcome to the show. How has your week been so far? Uh, my week's been good, man. Um, the Yankees finally decided to win a game again, um, and that was nice. But uh, everything's going well. My fantasy teams are not doing well, but we'll we'll come back to that later. Yeah, um, I don't. No one's. <laughs> I I mean, there's plenty. I mean, I've t- there's plenty of people whose fantasy teams are doing great. I'm not again. You, you don't want to. Not to throw shade or anything on anyone, but I mean, it's it's a difficult year to to be consistently doing well especially if you do more in one league i mean there's been so many injuries like yeah. so many more than usual at least in terms of like these soft tissue injuries for hitters and then of course you know pitchers you have a lot of uh, a lot of people um in you know fantasy analysts tell you to avoid certain pitchers but then you know there's been plenty of of, of guys with no injury history getting hurt it's just been a wacky year and now with all the controversies surrounding the foreign substances and the new ball and conspiracy theories with Pete Alonzo, we'll get into that. It's just, it's been a year. And um, when you, when you hear some of these things again with Pete Alonzo and, and we'll talk about Tyler glass now in the interview he gave yesterday after getting injured, man, you get the feeling that there's a, there's a good chance. There's not going to be baseball next year for at least maybe deep into the summer. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Not to bum everyone out out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're starting to really see that the league is going heavily to paint the players as bad, and the, the players are kind of pushing, trying to push back for probably one of the first times that we've seen heavily this publicly recently. So I definitely think there's a good chance that we're going to have some sort of a labor stoppage next year and do something along those lines because it's it's definitely a situation where the league is let like sticky stuff and essentially get out of hand they never really checked it. And now they're making all these, these switches in season, which is just not something that you should be doing to players. Yeah. I mean, every, in my opinion, again, I, I'm not on the, I'm not on the, the owner's side by any means, but I mean, the players definitely handle some things weird too. Um, especially the, the players union, as far as, and both sides, you know, owners mm-hmm. and players union to putting this out in public. No one, they, most fans don't care about any yeah. of this stuff. They want baseball. So, 
we're not voting on the CBA. Maybe, you know, and you, you probably don't want that as much as fans are like, well, we'll, we'll get this going. I mean, just look at all-star game voting fans shouldn't be just allowed to decide anything, but this isn't decided by fans. If you're trying to paint anyone in a negative light, it ain't going to do anything. Public opinion is going to just be negative in general against everyone. When the season was delayed last year, there were plenty of people like, oh, the greedy owners. There were still plenty of people mad at the players. It's everyone in the bottom line, though, just wanted baseball. And they didn't actually care how it came about. People had preferences like, oh, you know, do this, do this. But all they really want is baseball. So they've had so much time to get a head start on this, especially with COVID. They have had a lot of time, but it's just really contentious and it's it's going to it's going to suck. So I don't know. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll have to just see, enjoy, you know, enjoy baseball going forward, but uh, let, let's talk about the, the foreign substance thing a bit. The crackdown is officially here. They sent out an official notice to teams. It's going to start on Monday, June. What is that? The 21st, this, right? 20, 21st. Yeah. This yeah. Monday, June 21st, all substances are banned. It's not just spider tack. It's everything. You, you know, everyone's using that popular combination of sunscreen and, and, uh, and rosin and you can't you can't use anything which which i understand a lot of people are like oh we'll just use one thing that's difficult logistically um just for the fact that you know how do you know what is what you know you have to check everything constantly because you know it's just it it is easier to just ban everything the big problem that i think a lot of people have because a lot of fans don't care if they use anything a lot of hitters don't care if they use anything is that they're doing this in season and you alluded to it earlier there's there's when no i mean a lot of people would argue there has been a warning pitchers have seen this coming but a lot of people say that you know behind the scenes the players were just told you know we're not going to be doing anything about this this year and all of a sudden they are and you know here comes the conspiracy theories from people saying they're just trying to make the the players look bad and that's what this is uh but regardless of the reason doing this in season is insane right correct i mean and that's kind of the whole argument that Glass now was trying to put out um, talking about how he, I mean, oh, for, uh, real quick for anyone who isn't aware. I mean, this has been everywhere, but Tyler glass now, obviously probably out for the season, maybe looking at Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, after injuring his elbow, he, he was fine all year. And then he, for the last two starts, he said he stopped using the, he says the sunscreen and rosin combination, which forced him to grip the ball harder than he normally had. And to his credit, you know, the muscles you use to grip a baseball are the muscles that are triggered that would injure, um, you know, get the elbow injury he had. The big, the big thing hang up I have with that is yes, I expect this, uh, especially with no notice that pitchers are going to have to try to grip the ball harder. It did not cause his injury. That's, I mean, I don't know if this is like a hot take or anything. Some people I think have put it out there. This is a picture with uh, a little bit of history. It's a wear and tear injury too. Did this contribute? Sure. I mean, did it push it earlier than it would have happened? Sure. But just a couple of starts with doing this did not cause this injury. I mean, do you disagree? I think there will be injuries. There will be more probably that are caused directly by this. And he made some fantastic points. Everyone should look on Google and look at his entire thing. He made good points and you can recap some of them right now, but um I wish he didn't kind of come out and say that this caused this injury <laughs> independently. Cause it did not, it yeah. may have contributed. It probably was like, you know, the, the you know, the, the broke the camel's back as they say, but it, this, this did not cause the injury. Yeah. I mean, and I think that I a hundred percent agree with you. And I kind of look at this very similarly to 
a pitcher who pitches through a minor injury. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes when a pitcher pitches through a minor injury, let it, let's say it's a, a hip or, or even so, something not even arm related, it causes you to throw differently or even think that you're throwing differently. And, and as a, as a pitcher, that's probably one of the worst things you could possibly do is think about how you're throwing baseball, because the more you think about how you're throwing baseball, it slightly changes the way you're doing it. It causes different muscles to be worked and it leads to more injuries and senses. I believe the quote, one of the quote from glass now was he woke up. um, This was two starts ago, not the one he left injured, but the two one start before that he struck out 11. He said he woke up with pain and muscles. He didn't even know he had. (laughs) Exactly. And And I think that you see this often with pitchers and, and it's why, you know, it's not always the same injury for a pitcher, but if they have a slight, slightly torn um, muscle, some slightly torn tendon in their arm or something, they throw differently, whether they know they're doing it or whether we can see that they're doing it. it they do. They compensate. You, you naturally compensate. I remember that I, um, when I was in high school, had a slightly frayed tendon in my elbow and they told me it was because I had a weaker shoulder. And as a, as a result, I was throwing differently, putting more strain on that tendon. That is yep. something that a hundred percent happens. And that's a hundred percent something we're going to keep seeing happen. I mean, so, it's not just for, I mean, it's, it's for, it's for any yeah. injury really. I mean, any injury. exactly. I mean, not even, not even sports. I mean, George Springer was out with, I, believe, I can't remember the, the order. He was out with a calf and then yeah. while rehabbing, he hurt his hamstring or was the opposite. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's just a, a human nature. And like, think about it. How many times have you done something to a knee or, or like you've rolled your ankle and then your other leg starts hurting a week later. It's because you're favoring it. You're using it differently. So you're definitely going to start seeing more guys have these small muscle injuries or have these issues for sure related to the fact that they're throwing a ball. They have to throw a ball differently than they're used to doing. Whether it is actually impacting them or not is a different story. It's more a mental thing that's going to cause them to do things slightly differently. Like class now said, thinking he's gripping the ball harder. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but he's thinking he's doing it or he's consciously doing it it's going to cause some other issues to potentially come up yeah and there's and there's some out there fans again fans that can do no wrong they've never done anything bad in their life the i don't consider these guys cheaters sure the spider tack is a little much um and i would go for that but i mean i think fans truly don't understand how many guys in the league use this stuff i mean there's people now just talking so nonchalantly about it so many people just used a basic thing like the rosin and sunscreen just to get a grip. It, it added like a, like Gallegos, uh, who they checked his hat. It added, I think, to his his fastball, maybe 30 RPM. That is not changing the way in which how effective you are. It's basically just helping your grip. Um, but there's there's different stages here. Everyone wants to call the players just cheaters for this. It's 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 just it's so much deeper than that than the argument. And then. Um, you know, leading to this, that a lot of the fans are like, oh, well, they just, they were cheating the whole time. They should just learn to throw, uh, you know, they're just, they shouldn't throw as hard. And that's the thing that I think will lead to more injuries. They're not going to throw with less velocity. You're not all of a sudden going to take away a pitcher's spin rate that makes them less effective. And then all of a sudden you think that they're just going to automatically dial back their velocity for control. Like, sure, that would offer control, but I don't see anyone backing off velocity. I mean, sure, some people will to a degree, but um, they may rely on velocity even more, which you know could lead to more hit by pitches. But uh, I, I don't think the pitchers are just going to take the L on this one and just go back to just suffer into mediocrity. They're going to do everything they can to remain at the level they were, whether that's gripping the ball harder, 
continuing to throw harder, maybe trying to throw even harder, they're going to do something that is going to be out of their comfort zone in order to try to keep consistently performing. Not everyone will, but plenty will. And I think that's where injuries, like we said, you're doing something unnatural compared to in pitching is already in a natural motion. (laughs) And then you're going to add something else that you're not comfortable with. It's just, it's going to lead to injuries. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the, the thing, right? It's going to be interesting to see how pitch usage changes like you're kind of alluding to. I, I don't know if you're going to see, because the, the guys who have started kind of backing off throwing fastballs, they, they tend to be, you know, more high fastball four seam up guys, which if you do lose a little bit of your spin rate, it's not going to run. It's not going to have as much rise or, you know, not drop as it would if it had a higher spin rate. So that's going to cause some of those pitches that were previously getting swings and misses up. You will see some of those balls start to kind of get hit. But I think overall, it's not going to cause a huge difference. It it might cause differences in some breaking balls. They might not be as sharp. You might see some more guys hang them. I think overall, and I think we kind of talked about it a little bit in the our Slack channel, is I think overall the level is going to be relatively the, – the tiers are going to be relatively the same for pitchers, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. DeGrom, Cole, those guys are still going to be the best of the best. There might be a little bit of a drop. Some guys might fall you know, up or down a tier depending on how much they really rely on – these different things that we we still don't even know what it's truly going to impact, but you'll see a little bit of movement one to two, but you won't see a guy go from, you know, ace to useless. You, you won't see that. And you won't see a, you know, bottom feeding pitcher come back up to the middle. You, you're going to see the tiers relatively remain the same, maybe some fluid nature within them, but overall your, your aces are still your aces. Your, your, you know, number two pitchers are relatively still going to stay there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there may there may be a couple that it affects more than others, but I think overall, the I think the people that this will actually impact the most are relievers, mm-hmm. um, mostly the power relievers. Let's say that are like fastball slider, yes. <laughs> or yes. that there were, and all of a sudden you only have you have a limited weaponry, and all of a sudden your velocity maybe you have to take a step back on, and your spin rate down. There's a I won't even name them. There's a <laughs> there's a reliever that I follow very closely. I tweeted about it again. I don't like calling names out, but there's there's some people that you can already tell like this is obviously going to take some adjusting um, and, and yeah, some middle, some relievers, I shouldn't say middle relievers, some relievers uh, could, could suffer here because uh, you know, that if you take, you take a little bit away from a very little bit (laughs) that it's going to hurt. I said, there's a couple of Mets who, again, this is speculating. We were talking before the show uh, because I'm a Mets fan, Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, you, and you can't help yourself but look at spin rates. And this is not any kind of accusatory way. Like I said, I don't consider these guys cheaters. I think that's ridiculous. I'm talking about all Major League Baseball. But everyone's just looking at spin rate. And if it's down, it doesn't matter if the player's you know, yeah. if he's tired, if it was, you know, the weather, uh, people are just going to assume stuff. So, but you can't help but look, I'm looking, I see the last couple of starts, Taiwan Walker, um, his, 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 uh, spin rate was down in the very beginning and ends up being very close to the end. Marcus Stroman looks like it's down a little bit. And, uh, then you just start to look at stuff like, all right, well, their, their, their command looks a little bit off, but they were both tremendous the last couple of games. So it's 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 a ridiculous game to play the uh, to to just look at the RPMs and try to determine stuff because one minimal changes don't really affect your um, your performance that much and it's just difficult to tell where these things come from so yeah I know it's difficult <laughs> yeah and, and and again I'm not calling anyone out because those pitchers they, they they performed well I just think it was a good example where if Stroman's was down he still performed really well it's 
there's two very different tiers here. And I said, maybe baseball will eventually come up with a substance that's agreed upon where everyone Trevor Bauer, he talked about uh, trying to put all these baseballs through a, through a, a, uh, a conveyor belt and they get sprayed with stuff to like put this stuff on there. That's official. He, he had an in-game interview where he mixed sweat and rosin and the, the ball was sticking to his hand, which, yeah, yeah I'm sure pitchers are now just going to mix water with rosin and create their own stuff. Uh, they'll but, find some way, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I mean, I'm rambling here, but it's just, there's a lot to go into this. So no one should just go in with a, you know, a single, all the players are cheaters or no, it's, it's silly. There's so much layers to this and it's being handled so poorly by MLB to vilify the players. And again, I'm not trying to be like totally anti-owner i mean i know that you know everyone mostly people are i'm just saying that you know baseball is handling this poorly uh, no matter how you feel about what they've done in the past this is absolutely ridiculous what they're doing yeah it, they just they've not taken the correct and i think i saw a good tweet about it. it's like how many times did the, how many years have they tested runner on second and all of these other rules in the minor leagues and then they decide on a random monday that they're just going to ban everything with this they they should have they should have taken a different approach. They should have given p- players a little more time or a little more forewarning. You know, it's fine. You can go either way on if they should or shouldn't use it. We can argue that until we're blue in the face. But it's they shouldn't have done it midseason because you're you're changing pitchers. You're going to cause more injuries in a year where there were already more injuries. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the big yeah the big complaint. No matter what, I think that everyone agrees on. There's some there's some hitters that could care less that they're using it. There's some like Josh Donaldson that certainly seem to care. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the thing everyone agrees on is this: nothing should be done in season. And that's for everything, fantasy baseball even. You t- don't change rules in season for anything. You agree upon the rules, you play it out. You know, fix it ahead of time, fix it afterward. Don't fix it during. Well, I mean, that's the same. They did this with the the ball in the postseason last year, two years ago, whatever it clearly wasn't the same baseball in the postseason as it was in the regular season. Yeah. And you, you can't change, don't change environment in season. That's, that's a pretty simple rule. All right. This is on Twitter. I put out my plan, which, you know, a lot of people <laughs> for God's sake. So let's just a quick reminder for everyone. If someone puts a thread out on Twitter, read the entire thing. <laughs> don't comment on the first one. There's not enough characters to fully explain something, but anyway, uh, this is my plan which I think is pretty good. Again, shouldn't be done in season. It's I think it's better than their plan now. Should be done, again, preseason, after season, whatever. I think that going forward, if they're going to um, get rid of all substances or even have an agreed upon one, they should have a way to register a pitcher's RPMs officially. Um, this could be done off, off the field, which I know you had suggested and some other people suggested that you can't replicate how a pitcher does in game so i said you can even do this in game all you do is have a fish mlb officials check your equipment hack glove whatever baseball you go out there and you throw you know for a couple of innings until they pretty much have your entire arsenal locked in and that is your baseline for your rpms they um and again this is not for um this is not to punish anyone this is just to kind of get a on the record baseline of your rpms and then you can allow for variance, for fatigue, for velocity changes, for a lot of things, uh, because you know um, it can it can go up and down for for several reasons. But it's agreed upon that it ain't going to go up a couple hundred, three hundred, four hundred. It's not going to go up that far unless you're having a little help. So I think you just register RPMs officially for all pitchers, and then the uh, spin rate is available in real time with Statcast now. If there's something that is highly variant going on, 
the umpire can be alerted, you know, whether a freaking headset or a freaking little buzzer, whatever. They can then just be, all right, uh, something's going on. And then he pulls a baseball, throws it out and boom, you know, whatever the chain of custody thing goes there. And then you don't have to pull 20 balls a game. There's no theatrics. You don't got to even be worrying about it because how often, if everyone knows it's illegal, is someone really going to do it? It's just, for me, that just seems <laughs> for such a, such a simple thing. But why are they doing this all? I mean, is it, this is the th- kind of thing that makes me feel like, yeah, they are embarrassing the players because I feel like a whole kangaroo court is coming where they're just going to try to make a public display of embarrassing some high, uh, you know, some high profile pitchers just for the sake of it. I, I saw again, it's some um, there's some some careful conspiracy theory things, <laughs> but a couple of the first guys that were relatively called out were were like union reps or something like that. And people were like, oh, my God. But I, I just think they're they didn't think it through. <laughs> I think that there might be a small part of it where they wanted to push some something to players, but I think for the most part, it's they didn't think the in-season implications through the way that they should have. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, which is everything, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if this was done, again, I, I have my doubts. <laughs> if this is all done in good faith, no matter what their ever changes are, um, there's always unintended consequences for everything, uh, which is why you test stuff and why you should test it in the minor leagues. Um, everything should be tested in the minor leagues, but um, you know, which is kind of weird how they just unilaterally put this in. I mean, they, they put so much time and effort into all their weird things they're doing in this. They're like, all right, here we go. We're doing it. Yep. But you know, here nor there. <laughs> um, so we're going to, we're going to switch gears now from talking about the crap on a baseball to the stuff in a baseball. The other thing that the league changed without telling people. Yes. <laughs> so the new baseball, there's been a lot, you know, Saris, uh, Ken Rosenthal. Um, there's been a lot of people that have talked about the new baseball and, and kind of like how, how it's engineered and what is being changed in 2019, you know, they had the happy fun ball that was, you know, being driven out of the park, like crazy. We'll get into the conspiracy theories in a little bit about that in 2021, they wanted to basically decrease offense or at least bring it back to a more neutral area by doing that they reduce the core of the ball and not by core i don't mean the center core cor all capitals which is to say the relationship between the incoming and outgoing speed of the baseball upon impact the intent was to make the ball less bouncy and decrease fly ball distance mission accomplished <laughs> kind of uh, but there was the unintended consequence of increasing the exit velocity off the bat, which has made things a little weird because um, like the KBO did something a couple of years ago where they dropped the core of the baseball and they dropped slugging percentage in the league by 14%, but they increased the weight of the baseball by 2.8 grams. Whereas MLB has actually dropped the weight. Oh no, no. I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, MLB decreased the weight of the baseball by 2.8 grams and the KBO increased the weight of theirs by one gram. So again, heavier ball and KBO lighter ball and MLB. So the result is a ball that has a high drag variable, but an increased exit velocity on impact, which has created a weird dynamic where uh, in spring training, where there's just less, um, I guess, less quality opposition, you know, in the second half of games, it looked like the happy fun ball was back and you're playing in these tinier parks, but you get into uh, regular games, the high velocity off the bat is still there, but balls are just dying just dying on the uh, 
on the warning track. So, I mean, before we get into, I wrote an article recently about this on NBC Sports, which we'll talk about here, but just in general, like, um, I don't know if there's anything I missed or what are your, what are your thoughts in general, just on the ball? We'll talk about the conspiracy theories shortly. No, I mean, I think that it, we, we knew, at least we did know that some sort of a change was coming. We were expecting it to be a little bit lower, but I do definitely think that it's been messing kind of with what you're saying. It's been messing with some of the analysis that we always do, right? Where it's like, oh, this guy's exit velo is up. Why is, why is he not, you know, why is the ball not going as far? Why is he not doing this? Why is he not doing that? We, we ran into a little bit of a problem for the analysis side of things where we now didn't know what to do. And one of the things that I think a few different people have talked about, and I, I'm not 100% sure if they recorrelated or if it's working well, but, you know, actual and expected Woba were so off from one another, greater than they were at any other point in time from what we remember, that the StatCast German numbers were saying, oh, offense is coming back, offense is coming back, and it was underperforming to a level that we've never seen before, mainly because the calculations were going off of old exit velos and how the ball carried the way that the ball carries is much bigger of an impact than we kind of realized. I think and it's something that um, college baseball did recently. They lowered seams to get closer to the major league baseball a few years ago. And you definitely saw offense bounce back because higher seams cause more drag when the ball's in the air. So I think that the drag is the biggest thing to focus on. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're not that we didn't realize exactly was going to happen. We just thought they wouldn't hit the ball as hard, but it's, it's how it's carrying more than anything. Yeah. Let's you said the way things are calculated, because especially in stack cast and expected statistics, uh, exit velocity plays a lot into that. And, uh, you know, if that remains the same and the ball's not carrying the same, you're going to end up with some weird stuff. So again, the article I'm about to, um, to reference, which Paul helped me out with some, uh, some cool visuals, um, that uh, if you want to check it out, it's just pinned in my Twitter profile. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Matt Williams, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. It's just pinned there if you want to look, because I'm going to reference a lot of data from there. I wanted to go in and look at like how this actually was infecting fantasy baseball and then therefore try to find players that this was impacting the most. So the first thing I did was just go in to look at batted ball events in terms of like just ground balls, line drives, fly balls to see how they've looked over the last three years. Ground balls have not changed a bit. Batting average since 2019, 236, 229, 229. Slogging 258, 250, 251. Weighted runs created plus 26, 27, 31. It's, it's gone up just a little bit. Obviously, higher exit velocity will help you on ground balls because you're hitting the ball harder. They're harder to feel. They may go through. It hasn't, but it hasn't gone up as much as you think. I'm assuming mainly because of the shift. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in 2019, Major League Baseball shifted 25.6% of the time. In 2021, it's 32.3% um, of the time. I mean, teams like the Mets have gone from 14.1 to 55.2% over that time period. So, again, uh, any gains you have, a lot of them are being lost by the shift. Um, line drives are always great. Always have been the lot. The, the batting average for the last three years are 687, 684, 681. And Babip is just around the same 678, 677, 673. I mean, you hit line drives, you do well. It's not a big surprise. Slugging has gone down a little bit. Weighted runs created plus has actually increased slightly by seven points over the last three years. I mean, especially with higher exit velocity now, that shouldn't be a surprise uh, that it's gone up a little bit. You know, you're getting the you're getting the benefit of exit velocity without any of the you know downside of the drag. Um, before we get into fly balls, which are obviously the thing that we're building up to, this these are the things the most impacted. 
if anyone also wanted to know, is has there been a way in which batters are changing the way they hit because of like the launch angle revolution or anything? Um, the last here's the the distribution of fly balls, line drives the last three years. Line drives 21.4, 21.621, 21. ground balls 42.9, 42.7, 43.5, and fly balls 35.7, 35.7, and 35.5. There's no difference. All of baseball, at least offense, they're hitting the ball the exact same way. Now, one thing you can't obviously check out in that just general data is launching everything, which we'll definitely get into. But uh, before I move into, into, into fly balls, does any of that stuff surprise you? The ground no. ball thing is, is really weird because you want to look at batting average from a league standpoint uh, with the 230 being like the lowest it's been in like forever since like the dead ball era. Yeah. Um, do you, the shift is something that doesn't get talked about nearly as much. I mean, there was plenty of band, the shift people were about to talk into, you know, how this, if the new ball affects fly balls, do you think the shift is something that is, that is overlooked and you think has more of an impact this year in the lower offense, or do you think it has a lot more to do with just the ball? I think it, I think it has more to do with the ball than the shift. Really. I, my entire stance on getting more offense in baseball is, is making pitchers worse. Whatever, however you do that. Um, Cause you're never going to change the way that a hitter, you know, everyone just says, Oh, just slap it the other way in a shift. Like one, that's not easy to do Two, It's really hard to string three or four hits together, three, three or four singles together to score a run. Right. Whereas if you're facing these absolutely disgusting pitchers, your really only hope is trying to hit a home run because oftentimes that's the only way you score against a lot of these guys. You know, Cole gave up tons of solo home runs. Verlander a couple of years ago did the same thing. Yeah, They're sure, okay there with a lot, a lot of great not, pitchers give up home runs. Yeah. DeGrom doesn't give up anything because he's too good, but uh, you know, those are the but, guys but that to get through to him. Honestly, when yeah, you do get is. through to him, it is with the home run. That's how exactly. people do get to him. Exactly. So that that's what you, that you're, you're not going to, nothing you do is going to incentivize hitters to change their approach until you make it easier to string hits together. And, and by easier to string hits together, I don't mean rolling ground balls through holes because that's still <laughs> not going to change. It's, it's making it easier to string, you know, to hit a couple balls that are line drives up the middle or, or are well hit balls. It, you have to make it easier for hitters to hit somehow because pitchers as a whole are too disgusting. And that's, that's the biggest problem. You're never going to get a hitter to change until you can do that. And you're never going to get teams to ask them to change until you can do that because yeah. there's no reason. The, the problem that we have is that we, we view them like we view baseball as an entertainment product which it is teams view it as a way to make money and to win things and the problem right now is that the success of how you win and how you build a product that people want to watch are two completely different things mainly because of how good pitching is as a whole yeah and, there, and there's some things that we should mention because this data i'm bringing up is just based upon what we've already seen um, there's, there's other variables we haven't talked about that. We have talked about the shift. We haven't talked about the weather. The, obviously the weather's getting it hotter. That'll increase things getting rid of the substances in theory. Like we said, we don't think it's going to drag too many pitchers down into like a different tier, but hitting wise, um, you may see some, a lot of what called old school. I know a lot of people hate that because people hate bunning. People hate pitchers hitting, but if you're going to leave like a gap in right center, I like the kind of hitters that can go the other way. Like just take a little bit off. Um, you know, the power stroke and, and just take your hit. And I'm not talking about beating the shift. I'm just talking about, you know, uh, you know, like a John Olerud used to yeah. do, just hit the ball into the hole or, or not even like a grounder, but even a, a, a light line drive, you know, that kind of stuff. 
a lot of players can't do that smart hitting with the kind of crazy freaking spin pitching they've been seeing. Yes. But maybe with some of that off there, that becomes more doable. Because like you said, um, for these facing some of these aces, you're basically your big plan is to try to just, you know, k- keep your eyes locked in and try to try to, you know, really make hard contact on one. Um, and it's not in- even just them. Yeah. It's the, the every level you've gone to as a hitter is till you get to the big leagues the pitcher the level of pitching is probably better than it's ever been in the past right the 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 bad guys are better than the bad guys have ever been before so you're never going to you're not going to be able to take a guy who's never had to do that and never wanted to do that because that's not how you made it to the big leagues right how many we have david fletcher and like three other guys that are like him that have made it and fallen into regular playing time in the past couple of years there's a reason that these guys are non-existent anymore in baseball and it has nothing to do with our own ability to enjoy the way the game is watched. It's because teams know that those are the kinds of players that lead them to, as much as failure, fans don't like to watch it, those are the, the offenses that lead them to success. Exactly. Um, so getting into getting into fly balls, I said to refresh, ground ball and line drives, there's been basically no difference the last three years, nothing. Fly balls in the last three years have batting average has dropped from 254 to 233. Uh, slugging percentage has gone down from 788 to 712. Home run to fly ball um, percentage has dropped 14.7 to 13. There's a very obvious difference. Um, hitters that hit a lot of fly balls can still be, um, could still be, you know, they can be, what is it, productive this year, but it's all in terms of how, because we're talking all fly balls. That's just a snapshot to tell you that there's obviously an issue with fly balls, which we already knew, eggs of velocity versus drag. Anyone who's carrying a high line drive rate still and not hitting a lot of ground balls is going to have a lot of success. I mean, if you look at the the top line drive hitters in the league this year, they're all having fantastic seasons. The the top five in the entire league are Nick Castellanos, sitting 361, 13 home runs. Yon Moncada, he's hitting 280 with five home runs, 402 on base. Tiasca Hernandez, 294, 10 home runs. Michael Brantley's hitting 337, and Adam Frazier's hitting 336. Fly ball production is very different. For if you look at the the leaders in, if you look at the leaders in fly ball, some of the worst batting averages in the entire league are there. Austin Meadows at two thirty three, Adam Duvall at two hundred one, Kyle Seager at two fourteen, Matt Chapman at two twenty one, Jorge Soler at one seventy eight, Eugenio Suarez at one seventy one. There's plenty that hit tons of fly balls that are doing well, like Ronald Acuna is up there, Nolan Arenado is up. There but it's all a matter of how many line drives they're hitting as well. And the kind of fly balls they're hitting, which brings us to barrels. Everyone knows barrels just because of stack casts. Some people don't know what the hell it means. They just, it's barrel, you know, it just sounds strong, right? He barreled the ball. And the definition of that is um, you are hitting the ball at an exit velocity of at least 98 miles per hour in a launch angle between 26 degrees and 30 degrees. And for every mile per hour over 98 degrees, the launch angle um, range can widen. So that has gone down steadily over the last three years in both in terms of batting average and slugging percentage. And obviously a huge problem this year. So that leads us to where we are right now, where, you know, exit velocity is up barrels uh, tell us a certain thing, but then you have these players like Jorge Soler, who all their stack ass data is actually like, Hey, he should be killing the ball. Not so much. If you're hitting the ball in the air and you're not hitting line drives, you suck right now, at least on paper. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because we've gone through the whole, and they're almost trying to force it out of it. They're, we've gone through the whole revolu- the re- revolution, whatever you want to call it, to aim to hit these balls. And as as a whole, the league has made it worse when you do is exactly what you're trying to do as a hitter. I mean, if if you've played baseball or before, you, you can envision what this ball looks like off your bat, right? It felt great. It looks great coming off the bat. If you're in a cage, you think you hit a home run, you know, you feel great. And then you get in and the ball just isn't going as far as it was before. And that's not something that you can really do much to change hitters because they've, they've optimized their approaches to hit however they need to get to these types of batted balls they do. And, you know, I, and I guarantee is, you yeah. the audience, I, I mean, it happened to me. I know it happened to you. It's happened to everybody. I mean, if you watch baseball enough, there's been a ball this year, probably many where you're like off the bat, oh, that's gone only to die. Maybe short of the warning track. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, you, you helped me out with this. You, you, uh, you put in the actual charts for the barrels. Um, and then you also gave these, this is a really good ones to look at as a visual again. Uh, you know, you're listening on audio, everybody check out the article. Um, we have a couple of visualizations in there on average and slugging by launch angle. And you it's for the last three years, all color coded. And you can see, especially in the slugging, once you get to, again, I said a barrel to, to refresh everybody is t- 98 miles per hour between 26 and 30 degrees. And again, the harder it's hit, the, the wider the launch angle. But between that 26 to 30 degrees um, on the chart, you can see there's a steep decline from like that 25 to 30 degrees this season. And that is where, um, you know, obviously the biggest impact of a drag is coming in. So not all barrels are created equal. That is the main thing. It's almost like average anything, uh, you know, average exit velocity. We, you know, you hit the ball and you hit a weak grounder, you hit a, a barrel. It's, it's all different. Average launch angle is kind of worthless too, because you hit a ball into the ground, you hit a ball and a pop-up. We want to know what you're doing consistently, which is where standard deviation of launch angle, which measures your back control is really good. But in general, we want hitters that can hit the ball in kind of a sweet spot. Um, and for this year in fantasy, again, you can't, like you said, you can't ask hitters to change what they're doing for a long time. But for our purposes, we need to identify players that can kind of hit through that fog. Yeah. And there is a statistic that um, Alex Chamberlain, who's you know has a fantastic board, you can follow him on Twitter. Dol- what is Dolph Lund? Is it Dolph Lundgren? What is it? What is I have it? no idea what it is. Just type just... in Alex Chamberlain, everybody, and <laughs> you'll he's find the, him. He's the gentleman with the beard. You'll find him. He's great. Uh, he's. I linked him directly in the article, so you can you can just click on his name. Uh, he, he's over at Fangraphs. He wrote a, a great article on a subset of barrels called blasts, which sounds awesome. Yeah. And uh, he he joked about him being called long bombs away, which is great. <laughs> But he wanted to, he acknowledged this. This is, this is not in, um, and this was not in, not in reference to the new baseball. This is something he wrote before the new baseball was here. And he wanted to, he acknowledged that not all barrels are created equal, right? He knows that, you know, if you hit the ball at a certain era, you have a much more, um, you, you have a, a much stronger rate of success than if you had like, you know, uh, you know, a higher launch angle and lower and higher ex, a lower exit velocity, higher launch angle, or a you know a higher exit velocity, lower launch angle, kind of like just inside what a flare and burner would be on Stackcast. Mm-hmm. So he basically just took all right instead of going from like twenty five and a half to thirty to thirty and a half la- degrees of launch angle, stop it at twenty eight, and instead of having that giant threshold, uh, up it up to one hundred miles per hour. So twenty eight degrees and one hundred miles per hour. 
and everything else is a weak barrel. And I know that sounds really specific, but that is a, that is a hot zone that, you know, good hitters actually find that's actually where they find a lot of success. If you look at the leaderboard for it, it is amazing, which again, I have a lot of that in the article if you want to check it out. But anyway, as I, I, I finally turn it over to Paul in a second, here's the statistics that since 2017 barrels as a whole have a 1.416 Wobicon, 58% home run rate and an 804 batting average. So 1.416 Wobicon, 58% home run rate, 804 batting average. Weak barrels, the ones that are outside of the zone, 1.140 Wobicon, 38% home run rate, 707 batting average. So that again, that's since 2017. You can only imagine what weak barrels have done this year. You know, they've gone from 58% in barrels to 38% weak barrels. And then this season they're dying even more. Blasts, 1.744 Wobicon, 82% home run rate, 919 batting average. So these are these are players that have the ability to hit the ball hard enough uh, while maybe not being, you know, taken down by by the drag enough. And there's obviously more variables to this, but I know. Are we overthinking this? I mean, it's I mean, obviously baseball is, you know, trying to cut down on offense for, you know, whatever variance of reasons. But, Paul, what do you, what do you make of this? Because it feels like we shouldn't have to search out this kind of specific information. But, you know, for fantasy baseball purposes, uh, I'm trying to help everyone locate hitters. They can do this. But, yeah. I mean, it's just I, it's a lot. I think that we it, it helps us to recalibrate what we've previously thought about what barrels and line drive fly ball, what, what we've thought about all those things and, how, and what exactly they mean, right? Exit velocity, pretty much everything that we've taught ourselves over the last four years or five years, however long we've had StatCast for, we've taught ourselves these certain set of criteria, these certain things that we want to look for. And now we're realizing that maybe there's even more that we are still yet to know about it. And I, I think one of the things that I've I've loved and I still think is one of the best indicators and you kind of talked about it somewhere in there is is the standard deviation of launch angle i think that that tells us so much more about hitters than almost anything else that we know that is the thing that i think is the most important to look at right now and still finding guys that can hit a ball hard because that is kind of what we care about you want that tight launch angle and you want guys who are able to keep balls in that ideal zone. And everyone thinks that when we talk about ideal zone and launch angle, we're thinking about you're hitting these towering fly balls. The Every hitter, if you ask them, even if they've worked on re- increasing their launch angle, like you said, they're trying to hit line drives. You want to hit line drives because if you just miss that, it's a home run. If you'd hit it a little bit below it, you're still hitting the ball well, you're still hitting a hard ground ball, right? You're not putting balls straight into the ground and you're not putting balls straight up in the air. And that's kind of what the idea behind standard deviation of launch angle shows is that you're looking for a guy who has a tight launch angle and keeps it around that line drive range so that most of the balls they hit aren't going too far in either direction. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you're, you're, you aim for a line drive. If you just, especially this year, if you're just above it, you're, you're in the you're, in the, you're practically in the magic zone we're talking yep. about. Yep. And it's just why I, I feel like, I mean, StackCast has barrels and then they have flare burner, which me and you have had a conversation about off here. Yep. They, they combine flare and burner into the same thing. I've talked to Tom about it, you know, Tom Tango. And he said, you know, their, their information puts them all into one category. Cause it's, if you actually look at the chart, it's not like two zones. It's kind of like this weird blob <laughs> that, uh, that surrounds it. And basically what a flare is, is these are just outside of barrels. A flare is a ball with a higher launch angle 
but um, lower or a higher exit velocity, but lower, no, no, higher launch angle, lower exit velocity, and a burner or something with a higher exit velocity, lower launch angle. I wish instead of combining the two, they would maybe alter barrels to be a little more exact, kind of like the blast, sort of, maybe not as specific, and then turn flare and burner into, um, you know, kind of subsets of weak barrels. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that would be so helpful, or at least do something, uh, which is a good thing. You know, Al Chamberlain has his board. Check it out. He he, he has the blast leaderboard on there. Um, so for fantasy baseball purposes, what I did was I broke this down into I wanted to you know look at players with a high barrel percentage, but I wanted to find people that had a blast percentage above 8%, which that is not league average. League average is probably like five or six, but I, you know, I, I have a a large leaderboard in here and I couldn't name like a million people. So I added an eight, which is a pretty good place. And then I took only players that had a standard deviation of launch angle of 30 degrees or lower, which is very good. You want that to be lower. That is like, you know, kind of the, 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 the deviation between your high and low, um, anything below 28 is like fantastic. But for our purposes, I went with 30 degrees. There's a few clunkers in here as far as surface stats because their line drive rate is so low. I actually color coded it. If you're over a certain amount, you're green. If you're in the middle, I put you yellow. And then a few that are highlighted is red. Um, the All green players are good to go. They're hitting line drives. They have superior back control and they have a high blast rate it's great the two like the the top of the leaderboard is tyler o'neill number one 26.2 percent line drive rate 24.5 degree standard deviation angle which is great again 30 we're going between 30 he's 24 5 18.4 percent blast percentage and a 20.4 percent barrel rate I mean, he he's practically living in the blast zone, which is amazing. I mean, the rest of the names at the very top are Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna, Fran Mil Reyes, Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, Fernando Tatis. I'm naming these in order. So you can tell, I mean, these are the players that do well. Um, the, the thing to use this for fantasy purposes are look at the ones in the red. They could be extreme by low opportunities, which we'll talk about someone in a second. But some of the weirder names on here who could be, you know, by candidates uh, in leagues with maybe there's not people, maybe a sharp, you know, if you're in a really, really competitive league, William Contreras probably isn't going to shock anyone, but you know, he's someone on here where it really proves how strong he is. I don't know if you got a chance to look at the the list, Paul, but um, did anyone kind of stand out here? I mean, there's some, there's some interesting names on yeah. here. I mean, Brandon Lau, Brandon Lowe, he's had his struggles. He's on here. Kyle Garlick is on here. Darren Ruff is on here. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's, the, there's some names. The one, the one that I like, I mean, that, that you see kind of that you stopped right before you got to him is probably Chad Pinder. Um, <clears throat> there's a, there's a large subset of the uh, I guess, NFBC community that really likes Chad Pinder. Yep. Um, he's a guy that I think you, you, you look at the, and I think it's one of those weird things that people have, or maybe it's just me that has this mental block. I see a guy who's eligible where he is at like second, third base and outfield. And in my head, I don't envision a power hitter, but he actually is a pretty strong guy. And the numbers you have here kind of show it, right? That he, he hits a ball hard. He can hit it well. And when he gets one, he hits an absolute bomb. His biggest problem. And you look at it compared to pretty much every other guy on the list aside from, well, now that I'm perusing it, it's aside from Juan Soto is he has the lowest average launch angle. 
out of anybody other than Soto on this list, right? Yep. So he's a guy who can hit, and and you see he has a low line drive rate. He's orange on your on your chart. So he's a guy who is definitely someone that he hasn't performed as well as I think a lot of people have hoped, but there are some underlying numbers that are really positive for him. And in most of your leagues, he's probably one of the only guys genuinely on this list that has fairly regular playing time and will be easily or relatively readily available, right? You're not going to find a lot of these other guys maybe on your waiver wire. You would probably find him in shallower leagues. Maybe Akil Badu is another one, but a lot of people have probably scooped him up. But a lot of these guys like the roughs and the garlics that you've mentioned, they're not getting everyday playing time. And, and that's kind of more of a problem. There are some interesting names on here um, that I think are good for maybe confirmation of, of there's some players, players are doing well, uh, like Brandon Crawford, uh, yes. 15.7% barrel rate, 8.7 blast rate. That's really good. 14.5 launch angle, 28 degree standard deviation, which is really good his line drive rate is only 14.9. Yeah. So, you know, he's hitting fly balls. He's, but again, he's not hitting bad fly balls as we can see here. I kind of, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that most people are tagging as a sell. Yeah. But um, with, you know, what they're doing in San Francisco, especially with their veterans, uh, you know, they, they've had a lot of success in making alterations and getting the most out of them. I think that I see this and I'm like, if I have him, I'm not necessarily looking to maybe sell him as much. I think this kind of shows at this year, if you're looking for players that have the skill set to, to cut through the new baseball, maybe what we're seeing here again, it's, it's harder to buy in because of his age, but you know, he was, he was, he, he did decent last year. We've seen him do decent in the past. It's possible yeah. that he kind of keeps up a, a similar degree here. So he's almost, I don't want to say a buy high, but I think you can get him maybe even as a throw in where someone who has him and you're getting, you're giving him something back. Like he's someone that maybe it won't take a lot to get and he's doing well right now where you look at this list, like, huh, you know, maybe he's, maybe this isn't a big a fluke as you think. Yeah. He's a guy. And I think we kind of alluded to it in some of the last couple things we did where we, he's a guy where I don't think I'd ever want to go out and get him as the main piece in a trade. But yeah. if I'm giving up, let's say I'm giving up a, bigger shortstop or a big middle infielder and I'm getting several players back. He's not a guy that I'm upset that he's the piece coming back to me to help me backfill that spot because I do think that there's value there. And I also, I also think that eventually if it does come crashing down, it's not like you've really had to give up a ton to get him. So I think he's a good like additional second, third piece in a trade, but I wouldn't be going after him as a centerpiece. The next player I want to talk about is, Here's a buy, a buy low, which again, low. You could buy him so low, which is I think oh, yeah. is actually the most useful part of this article. Yeah. This player I'm about to talk about has been in the top 5% in max exit velocity for the last seven years, eight years. Um, and he's especially, he's also in the very top, usually in barrel percentage. He's currently in the top 10% in the league in heart hit percentage, 93rd percentile average exit velocity, 95th in max X, 90th in hard hit, 83rd in barrel. And he is batting 187 with only six home runs. His name is Jorge Soler. Um, I, I know he's, a, I know he's someone that annoys people as he's someone that everyone has wanted to break out for the longest time and then he was always injured and then he had that one monster season where he played all 162 and now he's disappointing again um but i mean 12.1 percent barrel rate 10.5 of which are blasts 
you know, 17.2 degree launch angle. Again, we're looking for 18 degrees and his standard deviation is 27.9. He's only has a 14.3% line driver rate. I feel like, you know, the weather heats up and he makes a small adjustment. He could go on a league leading tear of home runs uh, in a month. And again, this is a guy where you can acquire him for free maybe he may have been cut in yeah. your league so again i'm not trying to make a stance here of uh you know a preseason pay up for him i'm talking about a guy here that people have completely given up on and if you need some power i i there's data here to show that there's a strong possibility especially with the the uh you know the crazy uh uh guck coming off the ball that i mean there really could be something here with solaire because all of these numbers line up to a guy that if he had a slightly high drive rate, he, he should be killing the ball. Yeah, I, he's definitely a – you're most likely going to be able to get him for free, like you said. Most people are probably done with him, aren't playing him anymore. I doubt a lot of people that have him are really gung-ho about him being in their starting lineup every single week. Huh? They can't feel very good. But, you know, if you're chasing – like, again, these are – this is the time of year where you start – looking at categories, you start evaluating where you are, you start looking at your team as a whole, because at this point you can't say, oh, well, if this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy all do what they were supposed to do in the beginning of the year. Well, they haven't at this point. So now you have to try to do something to bring you back to wherever that may be. And if you're chasing home runs or you're chasing RBIs and you have a small cushion in batting average potentially, or you have some guys that can help prop that up, you take a shot on Solaire because it would not shock anyone. I don't think if he was near the top 10 rest of season in home runs, he's a guy that we've seen do that before. It's probably unlikely, but it's, it's as likely as a lot of other, you know, he's, he's definitely in the top 50 of guys you'd consider to be finishing in that top 10 group. Yeah. And the main thing with him is he's just a unicorn as far as how hard he's hitting the ball and yes. how poorly he's performing. Yes. Eugenio Suarez is, is actually in there too, but as a career guy, who's his line drive rate over the last few years is 19, five, 23, three, and all of a sudden it's 14 and a half. It's going to come up. I mean, yeah. his, his slugging percentage right now is 340. His expected slugging is 452. Um, there's, I mean, there's other players on this list that you could tab as by low, like Eugenio Suarez, who I don't believe in at all. Um, there's, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to find a couple other ones here. Uh, Austin Hayes, Adam Duvall, but they, you know, they, he's hitting home runs. He's yeah. just, he's just, his, his batting average has suffered because he has a 12.7, uh, line drive rate. And like we said, the line drive rate is the king for batting average. It's the king for Babbitt. If you're not hitting a ton of line drives, you're very unlikely to be hitting for a high batting average. Um, Solaire is just interesting because unlike Suarez, who, even though there's plenty of people that would really like to get him off their teams, they're probably going to like he's in their enough brain, home runs that it's okay. Yeah. He's hitting home runs yeah. and they're not going to be giving him away. So is someone who I think is the highlight for me only because no harm, no foul acquire him for very little. He goes off. You're a genius. He doesn't do well. You've probably lost nothing. Yeah. Um, the other guy I would probably buy low on is Yasmani Grandal who continues to get on base at an elite pace uh, he has a 9.3 um, blast rate on a 13.3% barrel rate, 27.2 uh, standard deviation, only a 12 and a half um, line drive rate. I mean, catching is a cesspool. <laughs> so if, you know, you can always speculate on trying to improve there. It's all in a matter of, uh, it's all a matter of how expensive he is. Uh, in OBP leagues, he's actually a star. So this would be for batting average leagues for buy low purposes. Uh, but he's probably the other one that would be maybe a dirt cheap uh, person to acquire. 
a few, I want to say a month ago when he was starting off with this just weird, I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I wanted to see what was the highest WRC plus a sub 200 hitter had ever. And it was like just above a hundred. And it was Ryan Schimpf a few years back <laughs> when he hit like 30 home runs and hit like 130. And Grandal, I think last I looked is at like 140 or 130. Like <laughs> it's crazy. It is an unbelievably unique season that I don't think we would ever see again because it's unbelievable. If he puts them all in play, it's a home run. <laughs> Yeah. And, hey, and he walks a, he, every other at bat. He, like, the, <laughs> if I told you, hey, is this a player you'd be interested in? 100% walk, uh, walk rate, uh, 98% average exit velocity, 98% hard hit percentage. Do you want Oh, not to mention he's like 90th percentile in ex-WOBA. Like, is that someone you'd be interested in? He's hitting 149. Oh, and he's a catcher. <laughs> yeah. And all of his home runs are like no doubters. Yes. Yeah, it's an unbelievably unique season that I don't know if we'll ever see. I mean, we might see it trend towards it, but to the level that it is, because, you know, yeah, he hits the ball really hard when he puts in play, but pitchers will eventually start attacking it because they don't care. Again, what we said before, some of them don't care too much if they give up home runs because you don't hit 100 and whatever he's doing without swinging and missing. It's almost impossible to do that without swinging and missing and striking out. So eventually you'd start attacking. You'd think that they'd start attacking him. But no, they're just going to be careful with him, let him walk, and it's fascinating. Especially with all their injuries too, it, I don't see it changing because the rest of the – I mean, the lineup's still somehow good, but it, there's not as many guys that scared you as there was in, you know, April. <laughs> Um, on the negative side of this list, I put a, a minor, I put a tiny list of people with a very low, like maybe an eight, 8% or higher barrel rate and like a 3% or lower blast rates. Uh, and I want to just kind of show off some of them. And most of them actually had a really high line drive rate and some of them are performing really well. I mean, you, yeah. for what you want to do is probably look at, you know, you, you want to maybe go into fan graphs or, or savant. You want to try to find people that have a really high Fly ball rate and a really low blast percentage is obviously that's something to really avoid. But if you do that, you're going to find players that you already know stink. We're trying yeah. to find outliers. And the players on this list, there's a couple of interesting ones. I mean, Clint Frazier, 2.8% blast rate, 16% line drive rate. I mean, he's never going to get it going hitting that way. But there is some interesting players. My Mark Cannon on here. But again, we, we know how he's doing really well. Um, Ozzy Albies and Chris Bryant are on this list. I, I highlight them because they're interesting to me. Uh, Chris Bryant, um, he's obviously doing really well. He's, he's actually on a better pace in his uh, MVP season at the moment. Uh, 9% barrel rate, only 3.6% blast rate. Uh, does have a 28.1 degree standard deviation of launch angle, and he has a 24.7% line drive rate, which is great. Um, and again, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about Chris Bryant. He's doing really well, but again, I wanted to highlight him here because it stood out to me and I wanted to just break it down for everyone. Um, he has a 21.7 home run to fly ball ratio, which is by far his career high. And if you look at his spray chart, he has a lot of wall scrapers for his home runs. Unlike Asmani Grandal. In fact, if you look at baseball savant, his home run total will actually be cut in half in 10 major league ballparks and he would actually have hit below 10 in 19 of them. Um, so again, 16th percent at percentile and exit velocity. I'm not saying that I think Chris Bryant's gonna have a poor season, but um, again, data doesn't lie. Fantasy baseball. Sometimes you want to remove the name from the equation. 
I think I would be intrigued to sell Chris Bryant high. Not that I don't believe in him, but he's someone that is doing well. Currently he's, he was just hit. <laughs> yeah. He was just hit by a pitch. So you want to wait until he gets back and he's healthy, obviously, because, you know, trading injury players is bad. But I'm just saying this is something where um, if you wanted to try to make a savvy play, you can move him for full price and maybe get a decent third baseman back that maybe you believe in or maybe you don't need a third baseman. Maybe you have a couple you, you can fill in for a different spot. I maybe look at this. I'm like, okay, well, maybe Chris Bryant is going to have a good year, but maybe the best months of his career of of his year have happened uh, already. You know, you know, it's not like he's totally motivated by free agency, and that's why he's on a tear. I mean, he's he's getting a little assistance. Uh, I mean, am I crazy? Again, you have to. It's just it's weird little things with with Bryant, but I think it's one of those things where it's hard to sell high on a player who's doing well. but in this particular case with the weird, happy, you know, the anti fun ball, <laughs> uh, I, I might look because I think you can acquire something really good and maybe help your team more than he needs you. Yeah, I think that he's a guy where, again, you, you look at a team, you see you have a hole in two other places or another place. He, he's a guy that you can potentially look to move because it's, it's finding the right big piece to move to actually get something back that's going to help your team. So I think that, you know, a guy like him, a guy like Albies, again, they're they're going to be driven by what categories you need help in. But I think Bryant's a guy that I'm, I'm okay with making that trade. I was, I was a bigger fan of him than um, the, I guess, consensus was before this year. Everyone kind of thought he was toast, and I'm not shocked that he's doing well. But, you know, you look at the numbers, and there's some concern in there, and he's carrying a high line. I mean, the high line drive rate's great and all that stuff. It's definitely concerning that, he has a few balls that might not have gotten out everywhere, little things like that. And, you know, you play to where your park is and and all that stuff. But I think that I'm okay with using him as a big piece or or shopping him as a big piece because you will get good return for him. You'll get much, probably much better return than what you originally drafted him for based off where he was going this year. So I think he's a guy that I'm okay with, uh, with making a trade or trying to move him. And, And Albies is kind of the same way for me. I've never been a huge Albie's fan. Um, but I think both of them are kind of in the same boat where you can potentially use them to fill a hole and backfill, um, you know, the position you're moving them from depending on your team needs. Yeah. I mean, I'll break down Albie's real quick. Everyone thinks this is blasphemous. Again, we're not saying by the way that these players are bad. We're just saying that it stands to reason that you could trade them for more than they'll be worth going forward and get a lot back. Correct. Albies is trickier only because of the position he plays. I mean, you got to make sure you're covered and, and covered he'll run. well. Yeah. And he'll run. Uh, so, I mean, this is, you know, this is a matter of value, but again, we're talking about numbers here. He is fifth in the league in fly ball percentage, which we just said fly balls aren't good this year. You want to hit that ball in that blast rate. And you, he has a 2.1% blast rate. You do not want to be fifth in the league in fly ball percentage and 2.1 in blast rate. I mean, that could come back to haunt you. You want to see what Jorge Soler is doing is bad? What freaking Ozzy Albee's doing right now, as far as what we're looking for, is not ideal. Um, he has a 20.7 line drive percentage, though, and currently his home run to fly ball is well below his career average, which a lot of people would point to that and think, all right, regression's coming in a positive way. I'm thinking that's probably an impact of the lower core baseball that yeah. he's hitting all these fly balls in a low uh, blast rate. And uh, you know, that home run to fly ball is just going to be low. So he's just another one. He stuck out to me. Um, if you can make a move and get someone else, you'd rather, you know, that you can move around. 
uh, you know, maybe you, you have like a Gene Segura, you can move over to second base and you really, really need a pitcher, you know, maybe try trading Albies. Maybe you can buy low on some of these aces people are freaking out about. I I mean, I, I've never, again, I, I said, I was never a huge Albies guy because where you have to draft him and yeah, he probably gets you there eventually, but he's subject to pretty much staying to be the exact same player that he was. So I don't have a lot of him, but in places that I did or do, I, I, if I potentially had him, I'm definitely using him, seeing if there's someone that believes in him a little bit more or someone that looks at his stats and thinks that, you know, like you're saying with the, the fly ball rate, uh, home run fly ball rates down barrels are probably decent. Like, you know, it looks like a guy who might be a good bounce back candidate. I just don't personally see it. I'll name the less the rest of the, I don't want to call this the negative list. This is, this is like the freaking shredder, everybody. This is just the names. I didn't cherry pick them out. These are high barrel, low blast guys um, that, you know, could be susceptible. Uh, a couple of these aren't, uh, shouldn't be a, shouldn't be a, a surprise. A couple maybe. Keston Hira, I mean, 9.7% barrel rate, 1.6 blast rate. Uh, his line drive of, rate, that's one out of the four balls you put in play, right? Yeah, that's uh I'm just saying that should be, be besides making no contact. Uh, he was in the he was in the danger zone for blast. Yeah. Uh, Tomas Nito of the Mets is on here. Tommy Pham of the Padres, not a huge surprise. He's not someone who's really known to like kill the ball, but low launch angle guy too. His most yeah, of his career, yeah, eight point seven. So he's on here again. Not a surprise again. You roster him for speed, so you can sidestep that. Ty France is on here. Seven point nine percent barrel rate, only one point eight percent blast rate. Heimer Candelario, eight point four to one point nine, but has a twenty seven. 0.1% line drivery. Justin Turner's on here, 8.5 barrel, 2.8 blast. I mean, I don't know how worried I really want to be with Justin Turner ever because uh, <laughs> he's always parentally undervalued anyway. So it's not like, you know, it's, I'm just, he's not a buy low, uh, but he's yeah. also not a sell guy. He kind of is who he is because you, you can't really, you can never get full value for Justin Turner anyway. Yeah. Um, Alex Dickerson is on here. Harold Ramirez, who I know people are in love with a little bit. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a, a mirage. Uh, Trent Grisham, who's he's a, he's just a, he's mostly a line drive hitter, but again, yeah. uh, playing in that park, he, he, he you're, you're also getting some speed out of him and Brian Anderson of the Miami Marlins. So that is your list. Uh, Brian Anderson looks really bad, by the way. <laughs> him and Clint and he's Frazier. been hurt a ton. Yes. So there's there's yeah. there's a lot of variables to consider. But again, that's it's it's just a list. Um, and I hope this is uh, you found this information useful, everybody. I know there's a lot of it, but it's it's just something for you. It's it's hopefully this is just a way you can look at players under a different lens. Uh, if you're looking for buy low, sell high, you know, really kind of look into the you know the line drive and fly ball rates and, and try to go in, look at the, you know, look, look at Chamberlain's leaderboard, try to look at blast percentage, standard deviation of launch angle. I mean, with, with as advanced as baseball is getting, a lot of people are like, Oh, the sabermetrics are ruining baseball. And they are, maybe they can get a little much at times, but some of these are really fantastic tools. And I mean, we said standard deviation of launch angle is a really good one, which I hope, you know, is becomes more in the forefront. I wish they just list it more because it's a very important thing, back control. So, yeah, I just, um, you know, any any final thoughts, Paul, on all this stuff we're covering because this is a, a lot for people to take in. So uh, anything that you um, would suggest as far as using any of the stuff we use in the show for, you know, the average player trying to do their own player analysis here? Um, I think, like, a lot of the, a lot of the things that we talk about, you know, and did talk about, you can – 
boil down into some simpler things, line drive rates and things like that. But, it, but I think it's, it's useful to understand. Um, I, I do definitely think that, you know, blast percentage and some of the things that Chamberlain has, they're going to help people understand some of these things a little bit better. If you can't go out and kind of learn this stuff or find a lot of this stuff yourself. Um, I think just finding, you know, what is the most ideal of the ideal contact and, and what guys can consistently do that or what guys have done that well to this point. Um, and I think that, you know, like we've been saying, like you said, with this bottom list, it's not a, oh my God, these guys are all going to crater um, list. It's, it's understanding that what they've done might be a little bit over their head so far, but they still might also be very productive going forward. Like you see, you know, you look at it and you see a guy like Frazier has a 10.4 uh, barrel percent and percentage and only 2.8 in blast, right? His 2.8 might be worse than another guy like Justin Turner's 2.8% blast rate where Turner has a little bit lower of a barrel rate, right? So he's hitting more of his percentage of well-hit balls in that area that's good, even if it is lower in the grand scheme of things or the same as Frazier. So it's understanding, and it's understanding which guys are successful because of that. You watch Trent Grissom, you watch Justin Turner, they're not hitting balls that you're like, oh my God, that ball was destroyed. They're not Aaron Judge. That's not their game. They're guys who hit the ball well and can find, and you know, when they do hit home runs, it's to, certain parts of the ballpark and they're still able to be successful. Cesar Hernandez, it doesn't necessarily matter that he's at, you know, 3.3% for him. That might be really good. That might be better than he's been in his career. So it might be, yes, he's probably playing a little bit over his head, but understanding what this means in the grand scheme of things and not necessarily comparing apples to apples, but comparing the player to themselves as opposed to another player. Yeah. And I think you hit on something that's like really important just in general for anyone doing player analysis and I love to do these uh, these search parameters where I take certain things, put them together, and make a list. This is just to identify players to take a closer look at. This isn't me picking out stuff and all right, this is this is good, this is bad. These are like okay, like I said, I made this list, and I obviously knew immediately, like you said, you know what Tommy Pham's about, you know what Trent Grisham and Justin Turner are about. Ozzy Albies and Chris Bryant being on here led me to dive into them more. And it's just something maybe you wouldn't have known. There's no reason for a player to be on or off a list. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is terrible. Like anyone who's really in the launch angle, look at Juan Soto 4.6 degrees. This guy stinks. Cut him. No, of course not. You got to look deeper, you know, use these stats, look for things that you want to see that you're curious about, and then dive deeper, try to find out why. You know, maybe watch a little video. It's a uh, baseball savants. Great. Now you go in and just search a player. You can look at video of anything. I, I, if you have questions about it, feel free to DM me, but it's great. If you want to just take a look at, you know, fly balls or all of Chris Bryant's home runs, um, you know, just uh, you go into the baseball savant search, uh, you know, switch it to hitter search, um, put Chris Bryant under the name and just put for batted ball events, home runs underneath. They'll show a video every single home run you can watch it real quick it's really awesome but um yeah have fun digging into player player analysis is so much fun if you have questions about this uh reach out to me or paul on twitter uh speaking of that paul let everyone know where they can find you what you're currently working on so if they have any questions uh, about what we're talking about they can reach out yeah you can find me on twitter at pimamino fantasy um matt and i were talking about a little bit before the show but i added a a pitcher's game log feature to the data monster, which you can find at app.rotofanatic.com. Um, it's it's just kind of trying to show how command of uh, certain things for the certain ways that we grade command with the uh, data monster rotofanatic, how it's changing from a game to game perspective. So we can kind of see. Uh, last week I wrote about, or two weeks ago I wrote about uh, Tarek Skubal and how he's been his 
increase in whiff rate has kind of come with locating better for whiffs. And if you look at the, the game logs there, he's a great example of, of seeing how that's kind of playing out. So hopefully it's something we're going to be able to see. And I know Matt and I were talking about it a little bit excitedly before. Maybe it's somewhere where we can start to see if some of these pitchers start losing their command of the baseball or different things that are coming from the sticky substances using the, the charts. So look out for some of those on Twitter. And, um, and that's really it for me. I love data. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, it's going to take a couple of starts before we can yeah. maybe start to see some, uh, you know, some trends here, Actual but trends, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm sure we actually, we definitely will. Uh, so everybody, uh, if you have any questions, follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M A T T W I seven, seven I M S. If you enjoy the show, make sure you follow turn to podcasts on Twitter, uh, rate and review the show five stars. If you would tell us uh, how much you, you know, what you like about the show, always reach out, let us know what you want to hear about. Um, you know, if there's any topics or any questions you have, we're always uh, willing to, to break those down for you. So yeah, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see how, we'll see how the rest of the week goes with the foreign substances. And uh, we'll probably be back to next week and talk about it even more like everyone else is, but you know, hopefully we're giving you a little bit of extra information that they're not. So yeah. Thank you for listening to two podcasts. We'll be back next week. See everybody. My oh my Put me in coach I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day But the laces and hot in my veins I can turn two in every way So I turn to you two today And smash play I'm prepared to listen The X-Fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know And I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it into points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out